0: Welcome to Network Capital TV everyone, today I have a very special guest coming straight from Paris, uh, Marie, who's also a published author, a TEDx speaker, and somebody who's had a multimodal career spanning different sectors. So Marie, congratulations for your book. Tell us who you are and what do you do today? Thank you,
1: Itkash. Thank you for having me today. So um, I've been working for the past 10 years in communications. And quite recently, I have refocused my work from general communication, brand communication, corporate communications, to personal communications. And my day-to-day, basically, I'm a trainer, I'm a consultant, and I help people and companies talk better about themselves. And this really matters to me because um, on a day-to-day level, you know, it, it really matters that people are able to communicate properly what they do, who they are, so that they can build trust. Whether it's in terms of, you know, career, a career move, you need people to understand what you do, or whether it's within a company, you also need people to trust you, especially when you are launching a new project, or when, you know, some crisis is happening, for example. And then you absolutely need to make sure people understand, you know, where you stand, where, you know, where you come from, basically.
0: Right. Uh, Tell us about your book first. Show us what it looks like and uh, what's it called. How did you write it? Tell us everything.
1: Cool. Uh, Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, So this is what it looks like. So the book actually came out two weeks ago. And um, I'm going to do a rough translation from French to English. It basically says, I am the brand, personal communications for people who do not like to brag.
0: But for, uh, you know, people, uh, some of our listeners also speak French. So maybe you could do both of them. Tell us in French and tell us in English as well.
1: Of course. So in French, the title is La Marque C'est Moi, la communication personnelle pour celles et ceux qui n'aiment pas se mettre en avant.
0: Super. And uh, this is a book which is culturally relevant in a variety of ways, right? Because uh, say the way French communicate is so different from the way say the Americans communicate and it's so different from the way Indians communicate. So tell us about how you thought of the title and what was the process of putting this book and tell us the French quotient here, because there's of course a very French way of looking at life. Walk us through it.
1: Yeah, you you know, you're absolutely right. I I don't know, you know, the Indian way of communicating so much, but when it comes to, for example, the French and the American way of communication, um, I actually started my career in the States. I worked uh, in New York for a couple of years and people really have a different way of approaching communication. It's not so much you know, seen as something bad, whereas in France, you know, people are really, um, most of the time, quite cautious about putting themselves forward because you are not taught to you know, take too much slack, you know, bragging about your achievement, these kind of things. And, you know, I'm not saying it's only a French issue, of course, I think it's relevant to many different cultures, but I've definitely seen something of a cultural difference that especially um, teaches people and, you know, especially women as well, but and that's another topic, to just, you know, provide good work. And if your work is good, then you will be rewarded. And that, unfortunately, we know is a lie because... Um, in French, for for French listeners, you know the, the savoir-faire and the faire-savoir are two sides of the same coin. So in in English, I think it would be something like you know your uh, know-how and making sure people know about you. It's like in about your work, of course, uh, two sides of the same coin. And what really you know came to my mind when I wanted to write this book is. Um, It also came from a personal journey, actually, because I've always liked communications. And I was never, you know, super shy about, you know, talking or, you know, being sometimes even a little, you know, I can be, you know, out there on stage and I do and say things that people, uh, you know, would be like, oh, wow, you're so courageous or something. But I really understood quite late, actually, the big difference between communication and self-communication. And you, you might be the best marketer in the world. You could also suck at communicating by yourself. So this is really something that I wanted to tackle and really something that I wanted to address and take all of my expertise, everything I've learned from you know, branding, marketing, communication, but also entrepreneurship and working as incubators and startups and innovation, innovation programs and put all of this together to help people, you know, like you and me and basically everyone, not just, you know, top management because top management, you know, they get media training and everything, but usually personal branding is quite um, reserved to uh, this type of people, either the top management or you're an influencer, you know, something like that, but then it's different type of personal communications. So I really wanted to bring all of these tools to everyone and make sure we understand, you know, your brand is your value and you need to put your brand out there and recognize your worth so you can communicate about it
0: does it ever happen to you or like people that um americans think that you're too french and french think that you're too american
1: Um, you know what yes when i came back from the states and started working in france like people definitely told me i was like too American, was like too, and it still happens sometimes. I mean, I've been, you know, settling in Paris for quite a while now, but still, people s- still tell me that sometimes. The other way around actually never happened. Like people never told me, oh, yeah, you, oh, you're too French, you know, except maybe, you know, drinking wine or something like, oh, you're too French or too snobbish or something. But apart from that,
0: it <laughs> <does that> happened. <laughs> Okay, because, um, you know, a lot of uh, people around the world are getting acquainted to Paris through Emily in Paris, a Netflix show. I'm not sure if you watched it or not, but the one one aspect of that show is basically reconciling uh, the Chicago-Paris divide and how people communicate.
1: Actually, from your perspective, I might watch the show because I haven't, uh, because, you know, all all of the bad reviews and, you know, as a Parisian now, you know, people are a bit, you know, cringing. It's like, this is not at all what it looks like. And this is not at all, you know, what it's supposed to be. And um, yeah, I must admit I have <laughs> that reason, but I might watch it now from your perspective, because um, since you are talking about it, um, I've been actually looking out recently in TV shows for, you know, cues and, and clues to put personal branding into another perspective. And you know maybe another type of guilt watching i was actually you know so tired the other day and i was like just watching an episode of you know Sab- sabrina the uh, the witch which is another netflix show that is you know not like actual <laughs> or something definitely not <laughs> but um i don't know she had this sentence and she was saying oh you know it's it's hard to be 100 percent authentic when you still don't know 100 percent, what you are and who you are, and I was like, wow, well, it's actually, um, you know, very true. And I think a lot of people uh, yeah. get feel this way as well.
0: Yeah, in uh, in communication, there's so much emphasis on authenticity. I was wondering, in your book, do you do you talk about authenticity? And as somebody who's studied communication in various formats. Uh, what's your thought about the emphasis of authenticity in communication? What does that mean to you?
1: You know, it's, it's, um, it's a very good question because I struggled a lot with the word authenticity and I feel like I rejected it for a long time because I feel like authenticity is almost um, codified. Like you, you know, there are standards to what, you know, authentic is like. And in some ways, I mean, I love, you know, for example, like Bernie Brown's talk about, you know, vulnerability. But it's almost, you know, trendy mm-hmm. to be like, oh, vulnerable or, you know, like humble, you know, like hashtag humble brag, this kind of things. So it's kind of like you these guys like, oh, it's, it's humble and it's like I'm vulnerable, but it's actually, you know, not that authentic. So I did not want at first to address authenticity full front. Uh, but it's definitely underlining all of the book, and in the end, um, it's quite funny because um, for the back story of the book, we actually put this forward because this is definitely the message that I wanted to get through. And the message is uh, "se mettre en avant et rester authentique, c'est possible," which means um, you know, putting yourself forward and remaining authentic is possible. And this is really the message of our right. book: you can communicate about yourself. You can present yourself in a way that is positive for you and that will also create opportunities. And you can create a marketing strategy that fits who you are, that fits your values and your objective. And of course, that still will be um, adapted to the environment. You're not going to communicate uh, the same way on TV. TikTok and you know in an email for example and that makes sense but still
0: <laughs> well, that'll be an interesting email you know like, <laughs> written like tiktok
1: <laughs> so yeah i really like the idea of authenticity even though i did not want to name it like this at first because i feel hmm. like it could be used as a filter but in the end this right. is something we're looking for
0: got it i think the book is uh, a result Result of uh, ten years of many experiments, many realizations that you've had. Um, talk us through uh, your career. How did you stumble that there is a book here and uh, something that people enjoy? Walk us through your career, the process.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. It's it's um, it's definitely a process because um, when you ask me to present myself, and this is something I say, I say, you know. Um, I'm a communicator. I'm a consultant and a trainer. I do consulting. I advise people. I advise company, but it is not something I have always done. And I have taken some paths during my career. I started in advertising in New York and then back to Paris. Worked in you know digital marketing agency in France, but at the same time Emily
0: came from Chicago to Paris at, from in advertising. Yeah, right. So yeah, really need I, to watch I, the show.
1: Okay, I'll watch yeah. it. Fine, you convince me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, no, perhaps you'll cringe. Perhaps you'll cringe, but uh, it still deserves a watch. Yeah. I'll
1: let you know.
0: But sorry, um, so, go on. Yeah.
1: So yeah. So after after this short period in, in advertising, and I was a strategy planner, I decided that I wanted to also do something else, and somehow I lacked the creativity, like real creativity, in my work. I felt like I was doing too much of you know, always the same kind of PowerPoints with different slides. So I was a bit frustrated. <laughs> and I took night classes, evening classes in fashion design and uh, design, generally speaking, actually, and, and everything about sewing and the actual, you know, how to work about sewing. And I decided that I might start my own project. And at the time I was, and okay. I'm still um, a very strong, strong believer in, you know, women empowerment. And I'm a feminist. So... I wanted to have an impact on the world that I felt I didn't have just as a communicator or in advertising. So I started taking these classes and I realized, you know, like the first line you draw is from like a woman, you draw, you know, proportion of like a silhouette and to draw like um, a garment, clothes. And then when you draw the woman, you usually draw it like the fashion standards, like the size of the head is like one to 12, like the ratio between the head and body, which is something that does not happen in nature. Like in nature, you will find something around like one to nine or one to eight, even one to seven actually. So it is um, not that surprising that the last a line, you're drawing like on Photoshop. And as I was in advertising, I was like witnessing the last draw and the first draw. And I thought, you know, it makes sense. Like um, clothes are not created properly. And also, we don't take into consideration what women have to say, not just what they could look like. And at the time, also from the States, I was mm-hmm. following a lot of the body positivity movement. And I thought it was very inspiring, but I, something was for me was still missing, you know, saying, oh, you can be pretty, you know, in, um, I'm not so sure about the international sizes anymore, but like, you can be pretty in size two or in size 12. Well, sure, but you're still there to, you know, for your body and to be pretty basically. And I thought it was important that the image that fashion portrayed about women changed. And so I created a fashion line, and at the time, it was the first, you know, cold uh, feminist fashion brand, and I really wanted to um, say it as a statement, because of course, some brands were more, Mm. you know, woke about women empowerment than others, but the feminist word was not used at the time. And I really wanted to have this kind of impact. And after a while, you know, I started doing that, and I realized, you know, something kind of hard, but maybe it's not for me because I really loved working on the ID and everything, but, you know, running a fashion business was not so intellectually rewarding for me. And the creative part was not as uh, important compared to all of the other aspects. And so I was like, okay, it's hard. It's like intellectually for me, you know, I don't really see myself working there for a longer, longer period of time. And also emotionally it was kind of, you know, it was very difficult because uh, I learned you know collections about uh, you know, women like violence and women and rape and everything and it's such an emotional topic and I didn't want to work on this you know, on a daily basis. So long story short, I take what I learned here, everything design and also everything about also another type of communications about you know public speaking, for example, that I had, I had never done before. But through this project, I came to speak, to do a TEDx talk in front of like 2,000 people and then another one and conferences. And so I really realized that when you want to change the world, when you have an idea, when you have a powerful message that you want people to understand, you cannot hide behind it. You have to embody it because long term... Ideas can be immortal. You know, ideas do not die. You do. But before an idea can really become immortal, first it needs to be embodied by someone. Right. And then another someone. And then another someone. But you need to put yourself in there. So, yeah.
0: And uh, what a phenomenal journey it has been, right? Like, uh, you've basically curated a whole bunch of experiments, realized, reflected put yourself in what might have been uncomfortable situations and learned from them. And now that you're sharing these messages, um, as, as somebody who advises on communication, um, you talk us about the difference in communicating with different sets of clients from your like entrepreneurs and like business people to the fashion folks, to the academia, to young professionals? What's the difference? And how does your book tie into all of that?
1: Um, just to make sure I understand your question properly, uh, you mean how do I help people or teach different kinds of people to communicate by themselves? Is that correct?
0: What is the difference in, in the communication styles and uh, teaching techniques to entrepreneurs and say fashion people and different sets of people? Right. If there is a difference at all, maybe there isn't.
1: Um, You know, it's a question I often have, you know, from potential clients, for example, they want to know, oh, um, do you make a difference between, you know, like IT guys who've been working in the field for 30 years and, you know, like young uh, Gen Z people who are just on the market and they, you know, Hmm. know everything about communications, of course, because they're on TikTok all the time. And, you know, this kind of like, you know, ready-made thoughts. And to be honest, I don't think there is that much of a difference between people. Uh, at least the way I see it, uh, it always comes down to identifying your strength. And this is something you can do whether you are you know, in, in IT or in fashion, uh, you're young, you're old, it doesn't matter. Like You still need to identify hmm. yourself. And really um, put like a hierarchy of what really matters, what is recognized by the world but also what you want to put forward. And this first part about identification and you go into introspection and also extrospection, asking other people's perspective to help you fully understand what uh, kind hmm. of value can, you can really promote. And then about understanding your style, your own style of communication. And this is very important, especially today, which is why I don't believe in this thing. It's like, oh, you know, young people, of course they know about how to communicate. When mm-hmm. you were um, talking about authenticity before, I think, yeah, maybe, the, the of course, the younger generation are more tech savvy. That's for sure. I don't think they are necessarily more, you know, aware of their own bias and their own tendency mm-hmm. to copycat a specific style of communication. Because if right. you take instagram twitter whatever um it's very codified and then um, mm. you only see the tip of the iceberg and you see oh this is how we should communicate these days or like oh this is what works this is only what you see and when we when you really take the time to identify first of all where are your you know professional strength but also communication style strength and you know you can like uh, talking or you can be you know like super good at networking like you are or you can also be you know into writing and you can be into visual you can be about communicating as a group you can also like to do it you know one shot or like regularly it really depends and when you do that then you can really build a strategic communication plan that works for you
0: right right um talk to us about gender and communication
1: another very interesting topic (laughs) and another i really tell us everything okay let me Um, tell you an
0: interesting fact about network capital beforehand so our network capital our members come from 100 plus countries and if you look at the total number of people half of them are women and half of them are men if you look at the network capital team there are more women than men and uh, the difference of communication and what you think about are apparent, but that is not the norm. Network capital is not the norm. Um, so talk us through this gender landscape. And if you have advice for um, young women or women in general, trying to communicate what they bring to the table much better, uh, what that what might that look like?
1: Mm. Well, um... It's true, there is a gender lens, that's for sure. Um, Women and men are not taught to communicate exactly the same way. And when I was talking at the beginning about the cultural difference, I think it it also reflects in the gender difference. However, and this is one of the reasons why I didn't want to put too much of the gender lens in the book is because from my perspective, which might be biased, but I've seen way more differences between American style and French style than between you know uh, French women and French men, so mm. there's there's a bias. I think it um, expresses itself in different situations. For example, when it comes to asking for a promotion, we know in this situation you had hundreds of studies about it, and we know you know women will be less likely to put themselves forward. When it comes to presenting themselves, when it comes to um, doing the work about introspection when it comes to really understanding you need to find your own style and not you know uh, run like oh everybody's doing like this or i should do it like this Mm -hmm. i noticed however women tend to be more receptive and have again a tendency To have more of a self reflection capabilities, which again, you know, it comes with Mm -hmm. education and everything. So I wouldn't say, you know, like, oh, men are always better because of education, women are always better. That's not true. It expresses in different um, situations. That's the first thing that I noticed, and which is why, you know, if I did take the gender lens, I would have to every step say, and here, usually men are better, and here, usually women are better. And I definitely did not want to do that. For a very um, simple reason, is that I was scared to do more harm than good. One of the one study really um, struck me in the past when I read about it, and it was a study about a math experiment. When you take you know middle school children, uh, maybe you know about the study, uh, and you usually you know uh, because of gender differences in education women like little girls are slightly less better than little boys at math tests that being said when you take a class and you know the the professor comes in and says okay so you're gonna have a test and usually girls perform better than boys um, at this test but you know everyone do your best then what happens girls perform better Mm -hmm. when you say oh, you know, it's a bit harder for girls. Usually they're not as good, but you know, girls, do your best. And then girls perform even less better, even less well than, you know, the standards was like the control group. So what that means is I really wanted to avoid at all costs publishing Hmm. a book. Oh, you know, here is like communications for women because we're not as good, but hey, here we go. We can do it, girl power, whatever. So this is really something that I wanted to avoid. And I feel like, Personal communications is definitely a topic that can speak to everyone, and I wanted to um, I wanted to make sure that was the case. But if I go back to the book cover in English, it would have been so much easier because the way I translated it, I said, you know, for people who for those who don't like to brag. But in French, if you do that. Um, the form will be by default masculine and that was a point that, that um, mm. point. and I remember we went back and forth with my editor like many many times <laughs> it actually ended up on the desk of you know the boss of the publishing house to make the decision because so we added pour celles et ceux um, which means for like for the female people and um, male people who don't like to communicate by themselves. So that was definitely something that I wanted to be there because I don't want to make it just a gender topic because I don't think um, it reflects in same ways at every level, but I really, really wanted the book to be inclusive. And of course I wanted it to speak to women because I've been working uh, on these um, these topics and it, it, it really matters to me. So that right.
0: was the question. I'm sure lots of uh, women and men um, and other genders will read the book and benefit uh, immensely from it. And I think the study is uh, illuminating in a way with the right kind of nudge, uh, the performance changes. And I when I read the study, I was really inspired to see the role of belief when a mentor believes in you or a teacher believes in you, it has a direct correlation with how you perform. Um, And many times, uh, you know, in the studies of women and mentoring and women and sponsorship, uh, we notice that women have many mentors, but not as many sponsors who are there to sort of take them to the next level. And I think one part of that is also communication techniques. Um, So I'm pretty sure that people will derive a lot of value from it. Um, tell me about bragging, what does bragging mean? And uh, what does communication with bragging look like? And what does communication without bragging look like? When you put out a social media post that, hey, um, I did X, Y, Z, is that bragging or something else or authentic communication?
1: Yeah, you, you know, it's a it's a very good question. Um, I just wanted to go back for a second, if that's okay, to your, your previous point. course was saying i think it um it it requires a little bit maybe of uh, clarification when we were talking about you know women definitely lack sponsors and they do have mentors but they lack sponsorship one of the reasons i was really uh, i became uh, into personal communications is because myself Mm -hmm. i do not consider myself like someone who Like, I hate asking. It's really something I hate. And I'm definitely a very poor saleswoman. It's really something I hate. However, I discovered when you communicate about yourself, generally speaking, when you put yourself forward a little bit, not asking anything, just, you know, this is what I do. This is what I am. This is what I believe. Mm. And people see that. Mm. Then you don't have to sell yourself. People just come Mm. to you and they ask. And this is, I think, the beauty of personal communications, and in a way, um, maybe it can also help women more in that perspective because women were not taught to ask as much as men generally. So I think it's another way to get to the same results, but with different perspectives and different styles.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for the clarification. That was uh, really insightful.
1: So now let's
0: explore bragging
1: yeah
0: to okay. bragging yeah of course how could you end a podcast without bragging right we got to discuss that Of course. That.
1: <laughs> okay so your example i think is a good one is it bragging when you post something on social media and you say oh this is an achievement it's something i've done it's not you know if it's you know it's really something you've done then you're just stating the facts and this is actually one of the mm-hmm. I always give and this is also why it's so important to going back to identifying what you're good at because when you write down everything that you know how to do everything you've done and actually even sometimes I give like you have 90 seconds to put down everything you know how to do and everything you want to expert on Mm. and I can tell you like you should have you know something around like at least 10 items And then of course, if you take more time, you can add even more details and anecdotes and everything. So when you know what you are saying is not, you know, pure imagination, like you're not making this up, then it's definitely not bragging. But people still feel like it is, which is why they first need to put it down on paper. Because I always see the difference when I do uh, one specific group training, I say, okay, so everyone present yourself. And then I say, oh, okay, because I don't know them, right? So I, I can't know uh, who they are and what they do. And then they, I say, okay, now write down everything you know how to do in your expertise in paper. And now present yourself again. Hmm. And then do it again. It's a bit hmm. better. And then I say, okay, I still don't know you, right? I still know only what you put on this paper. And this is how I would present myself if I were you. And they were like, wow, it's a completely different person. But yeah, it's me. I'm like, yeah. And nothing is made up. It's purely from what you built on the So I think there's always a feeling of bragging, but the actual bragging, honestly, of course I see it. I mean, I would, I would lie if I said like people don't brag. I see people bragging on social media, of course. It exists. It's definitely not the majority of people. And the majority of people I met, at least in France again, they fear they will be seen as bragging, but they're not. Mm. And I think, Somehow it's a vicious circle because if you're always so, you know, careful, but, you know, I don't want to brag, but in a way you don't give yourself the permission to put your worth out there. So when you see someone doing it, then you're like, oh, he's bragging. And in a way you should just Mm. be doing this. Most of the time it's not bragging, you know, making things up. It's just this person... Mm this person gave herself or himself the permission to show his or her worth. And in a way you can hmm. either take it as, oh, this is bad. These people are like selling themselves or bragging or you can
0: hmm.
1: also take it as giving yourself permission
0: to do the same. So should French be a little more American and the American be a little more French? One set should brag a little less uh, the other brag a little more <laughs> or be less guilty about doing either
1: um it's a good question um, yeah i think we should definitely free ourselves more from this fear of appearing arrogant and also the fear of you know having too much you know ego uh, sometimes the ego is definitely something that i hear all the time and that i had to address in the book as hmm. well not like in the spiritual world or whatever i was just
0: about to come to that yes
1: great right. so so yeah like a lot of people are afraid of that and i i think many american people can be afraid of that as well but hmm. i actually had many very interesting discussions that the concept of ego um some people that are actually also in the book some people who are very good friends, who do work, you know, with like spirituality and everything. And there's so much confusion about this word. Like people confuse ego with a bunch of a lot different things. For example, they confuse ego with pride. And when you say, "Oh, like, oh this person is just expressing ego," no, this person, okay, they might have pride, and you know, pride is a sin. If you should believe in that. But ego is not <laughs> human characteristic. So um, yeah. you have to be really careful with that.
0: So tell us, uh, tell us about the difference between ego and pride. We can't let you go without explaining that. Okay. So many French philosophers would have so much to say, but today we are here with uh, Marie. Let her share her perspective.
1: Sure. So when it comes to putting yourself out there, um, first of all, like the ego is really what constitutes the difference between you and the rest of the world. So if you know your goal is to dissolve ego and this is something that, yes, I do believe we all need, especially at this moment in time, to realize we have too much you know attachment to something that are personal, to something that are you know beliefs and everything. But again, this attachment to belief, you can either say, "Oh, I have ego, or you can say, okay, I have, maybe I'm too, you know, strict. I'm not open-minded enough. I'm not empathetic enough. And when you let go of the word ego, I think you can actually let go more of the things that lie behind it, because then Mm -hmm. when you properly name it, then you can address it. And maybe you can address the fact that, you know, open to other people, or maybe you can address the fact that you know you have too much pride for example you don't like when people tell you you're wrong or you have too much pride and you're not you know letting enough people benefit from your light as well and I think when it comes to the struggle with ego I often hear as well the fear of taking too much and not giving enough but that's also a mm. false issue because when you when you take the light in then you can also, um, you know, make it shine back to other people. When you don't want to mm-hmm. take any light at all, you can't send back anything at all because you didn't take anything. Mm. And especially right. in, in companies, when I work with, you know, managers, sometimes they, you know, super hardworking, and it always comes from very good intentions. Like, oh, I don't want to put myself out there. Like, I want my team to benefit from it. But sometimes your team also needs you to take your place, to communicate about yourself. Hmm. And then you'll get this promotion. And then you can take your team with you. And then, you know, the CEO of the company can know how good your work is. And then you can also, you know, make sure your team also gets all of the, um, all the pad in the back they also, you know, deserve. But if you don't want to okay. take anything, you can't do that.
0: Yeah. Um, Marie, have you heard of Rene Girard?
1: Rene Girard? Yeah. No, I don't think Just
0: so. A do you think that when people try and develop their communication styles, they try to sound like a person they admire? Do Do you, do you see a lot of mimicking when it comes to communication style?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'll check it out. I'm not sure I understood the the name properly, but absolutely, yes. A lot of people um, quite instinctively want to benchmark what is around them. And it's like, oh, I really like how this person communicates. And then you end up in a copycat situation. Mm. And in order to avoid that, and this is also an exercise I give in the book, um, and I call it mirror, mirror, is Mm. you look at someone that you admire, but you look at it as if it's you a know, mirror to yourself. So mm. first, instead of doing comparison, you need to switch to inspiration. And how does this person inspire you? Specifically what? And once mm. you identify that, you can move from inspiration to integration. And you only integrate what makes sense for you. For example, I have tons of friends super um, extroverts and they really love you know the networking and they go places all the time they connect everyone and really, I really admire them for that hmm. but it's really not my way of communication it's right. um, something I'm not good at this specifically some of the things I see oh these people I like how they communicate and uh, these quirky pictures like this and that it's like yeah I could do that okay I'll take it but you need to be really careful when you look around not to mimic, but to make sure you only take what what makes sense for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gerard does talk about it a lot in his uh, mimetic theory, which you're talking about in the mirror, mirror uh, example. It's amazing. Um, In terms of uh, just like if you want people to remember three big takeaways from your wonderful book, which right now is in French, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be translated in other languages as well. Uh, What do you want the three key takeaways for people to be from your book?
1: Hmm. Okay, interesting. Well, you know, I think the main takeaway um, I want people to remember from this book is you are your most um, important and long lasting assets. So you have to, you know, invest in yourself and capitalize on it, because especially today, you might change, you know, jobs, careers, countries, Mm. you start a company and then another one, you know, everything will change. The only thing that won't is you. You can evolve, of course, but you're a moving identity. So really investing in yourself right now, especially in this changing environment, is the most important thing and I think effective thing you can do by yourself That's hmm. the first idea the second idea I think would be about um, the impact you can have on the world when you start really owning uh, your, your worth and who you are what you are and you really need to embody your ideas and your values and represent your project not hide behind it because this is how you can mm-hmm. most effectively impact the world, and that would be the, the second point. And the third one would be um, in relation with others. I think it's a question of equilibrium. You do need others' perspective and others' people's opinion to help you identify you know, your bias, your blind spots, but first you need to really stand your ground understand what you want to put out there. Otherwise, you can fall prey to, you know, inauthentic communication, because you just want to please people, or you just want to reproduce, Mm -hmm. communicate what you think people expect of you. And then you move from, you know, personal communications to building a character.
0: That is phenomenal. Marie, Uh, You have to do a book launch with Network Capital Paris, and we're going to make you travel all around Europe as you talk about this wonderful book. Uh, Thank you so much for taking time out, and we look forward to hosting you very soon in our Paris office.
1: Thank you, Rikash. It was a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to debating more of in Paris with you next time.
0: Yes, absolutely. Me too. Thank you, Marie.
1: Thank you. Bye.